0: Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 30, When Life Feels Out of Control. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. Welcome everybody. I'm excited to be with you today. It is a really beautiful day here where I live. We're finally getting some relief from a little heat wave we've had and our mornings and evenings are feeling a little crisp and cool and I just love it. Fall is in the air, in the mornings and evenings at least, so I'll take it. (laughs) So before we get started on our topic today, I wanted just to talk a little bit about the coaching program I offer for moms who feel like they're kind of drowning in the transitions of midlife. This program is called Mom Encore, and I use the word encore because it means a second achievement, especially that surpasses the first. And I think it describes perfectly what we moms experience as our situations change from being moms to younger kids, um, to parenting teenagers and adult children. Um, It's a time when we're kind of shifting into the second half of our lives and our mothering. And my goal with this program is to help you make the next phase of your life full of purpose and peace and fulfillment. This can really be a time of uncertainty and anxiety and overwhelm. And I know a lot of women go through a kind of identity crisis. And I've noticed this particularly in women of faith who feel very strongly about the importance of motherhood and have fully devoted years of their lives to their families. And then all of a sudden they feel their roles as mothers changing and they aren't um, exactly sure how to navigate it all. And the really unique thing about this program is that I tailor it directly to my individual clients and what they need. So for some clients, we work on marriage and really reconnecting with their spouse after kind of losing touch after years of raising kids. That happens, right? For some clients, it's improving their relationships with their teenagers or their adult children. And for other women, they really want to work on their own self-development and figure out what um, they want the next phase of their lives to look like and how to really be intentional about making that happen. So this program is just specifically designed to help women who feel like they're kind of stuck in the rut of midlife to learn how to really feel empowered and create lives they love and to get excited about their futures. And I've seen so many women just make really remarkable progress in our time together. They are changing their relationships, not just with their families, but with themselves. And they come out on the other side feeling so much more peace and confidence in their lives. So it's pretty great. If you've never had the opportunity to um, get coached, I invite you to sign up for a free consult call. Come see what it's all about. The link to my calendar is in my Instagram bio at Annette Jones Coaching, or you can just email me at annette.motherhoodelevated at gmail.com for more info. So come hop on a call with me. I'd love to talk with you. It's a lot of fun. So today we're going to talk about something that I started thinking about a couple of months ago. I just kind of started the Book of Mormon again, and in the first few chapters of Nephi, which is the very first book, we hear about a prophet named Lehi, who lived in Jerusalem about 600 years before Christ was born. And many of you are probably familiar with this story, um, but if not, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. So this was a time of great wickedness among the people in that city, and lehi as a prophet was given a vision in which he was told that jerusalem would be destroyed if the people did not repent and turn to god and so lehi went to the people to warn them but most of them didn't believe him and some of them actually threatened his life and eventually god told lehi that he and his family needed to pack their belongings and everything what they would need to survive in the wilderness and leave jerusalem And so they did. Lehi and his family took food and shelter and provisions and headed out into the wilderness, not really knowing exactly what God had in store for them. Now, this journey was not easy. If you're familiar with this story, Lehi had to deal with rebellious children, um, even his own wife questioning his sanity at times. Not to mention many of the challenges that would just come along with leaving your beautiful home were told that Lehi was a wealthy man and that they had left many comforts and riches behind um, when they left. And making your way through the hot, dry desert to just a completely unknown destination. And this journey through the wilderness would end up taking over eight years. So eight years of basically camping and making their way toward the seashore where they would eventually build a boat and travel across the ocean to their promised land. So this is what is covered in the first several chapters of the Book of Mormon. And as I was reading this time around, I noticed a phrase that I know I've seen many times before, but for some reason, it really stood out to me this time and the phrase was some version of all these things happened as my father dwelt in a tent so i have to say that i have a love-hate relationship with tents i love camping i love being in the outdoors with my family and hiking and fishing and making s'mores but i'm not a very big fan of sleeping in a tent it's just never a good night's sleep for me it feels kind of vulnerable to be out in the wilderness with just a thin piece of nylon between me and who knows what in the middle of the night Um, I'll do it if I have to, but it's just not my favorite thing. Um, Little side note, a few years ago, my husband decided to just get a travel trailer in hopes of getting me out camping more, and it totally worked. We've had so many fun trips as a family. I know some people call that glamping, and it doesn't really count as real camping, but Totally worse for me, no shame here. So maybe that's why this little phrase caught my attention is because I cannot imagine living out of a tent for eight plus years. But Lehi and his family not only lived in their tent but actually had some really powerful enlightening experiences in their less than ideal and most likely very difficult circumstance. So the first time we hear this phrase is in 1 um, Nephi chapter 2, verse 15, where Nephi just simply states, and my father dwelt in a tent. And I've always seen that and thought, huh, that's kind of funny he would say that, just kind of seemed random, like it didn't really fit in with the rest of the chapter. But if you read the verses that come before that, we read that Lehi has been dealing with lots of complaining or murmuring, as Nephi calls it, from his two oldest children, Laman and Lemuel. Um, They're pretty annoyed at their father for taking them out of Jerusalem and away from their home, Um, their gold, their silver, their precious things, their friends, their inheritance, all just to, as they say, perish in the wilderness. Um, They accuse Lehi of being foolish, and we're told that they actually sided with the people back in Jerusalem who were seeking to kill their father. But in verse 14, we're told that Lehi spoke to them with power, being filled with the spirit. It says he did confound them that they durst not utter against him and they did as he commanded them. So I think it might be easy to kind of gloss over what just happened here in these few verses, but I think it was actually probably a really powerful spiritual experience for everyone involved to have Lehi speak with such a confident, loving spirit because he did love them, right? He was really just doing what was in their best interest. We know that eventually Jerusalem was destroyed and the prophecy was fulfilled and that their family would have been killed or either killed or taken captive if they would have stayed. And so lehi was able to testify to them with confidence and with power and with the spirit that he knew this is where they needed to be and what they needed to be doing the next time we hear this phrase from nephi is in chapter 9 verse 1 and if you're familiar with the first book of nephi you know that chapter 8 the chapter just before this verse is a really significant one it's an account of a dream um, or a vision that lehi had um, that's just full of this really beautiful symbolic imagery about, how, about our journey in this life and of the beauty and power of Christ and his atonement. One scholar said, Lehi's vision of the tree of life and its subsequent interpretation provide a powerful Christ-centered foundation for the whole Book of Mormon. And Elder David A. Bednar said, the overarching theme of the Book of Mormon, inviting all to come into Christ, is paramount in Lehi's vision. So this dream that Lehi had was kind of a big deal, right? And it's been influential in the lives of people, not just in his day and time, but to our study today as well. And so after giving an account of this great vision his father had received, Nephi says, And all of these things did my father see, hear, and speak as he dwelt in a tent, and also many more things which cannot be written upon these plates." So we hear this phrase again in chapter 10, verse 16, after Lehi had just expounded more great teachings and prophecies to his family. Again, Nephi says, and all these things of which I have spoken were done as my father dwelt in a tent in the valley of Lemuel. So I think about how I would feel in Lehi's situation. And obviously I do not see myself as the same caliber as Lehi was, but I feel like if I were in that sim- in a similar situation, I would probably just go into survival mode. And I probably think, you know, what I'm doing is really hard right now. I'm just trying to keep my family alive and in Lehi's case, keep them from killing each other, right? And I'm guessing I probably wouldn't be feeling the need to go above and beyond right then. I might let some things slide and think, you know what, I'm just going to cut myself some slack and not really expect too much of myself because this is really hard and I just don't feel up to doing things outside of basic survival right now. Now, I'm all for self-care and self-compassion and not running faster than I have strength. I've learned a lot about that over the past few years, and I've become much better at giving myself grace when I need it. But I also have realized that I need to watch myself, that I don't slip into complacency or use self-care to make excuses about why I'm not following through on a goal that I set or moving forward on something that I know is good for me, um, that's, but that's going to take some discipline and effort. And I know a little bit about the tendency of my lower brain to want to keep things as easy and pleasant and effortless as possible. This is what we call the motivational triad, right? Our automatic brains are naturally wired to seek pleasure, to avoid pain, and to be efficient, which aren't bad things. They keep us alive. But there's also an aspect of this tendency that can keep us from growth, from challenging ourselves, and from doing hard things that we know are good for us. And I think that sometimes with all the advice we hear about being kind to yourself and taking care of yourself we might misinterpret that to mean that it's okay just to avoid difficult things altogether when in reality anything worth doing is going to take effort right and it's probably going to involve us feeling some kind of negative or uncomfortable emotion it's going to take getting outside of our comfort zones sometimes i think at least for me i avoid opportunities or challenges that would actually be good for me in the name of self-care So I guess this is all to say that considering the less than ideal circumstances of leaving behind a comfortable home in Jerusalem to spend years traveling in the wilderness, living in a tent, Lehi was able to still have these really profound and revelatory experiences with God. Even when his situation wasn't perfect, even when everyone around him wasn't acting perfectly, even in the face of some real physical and emotional, and I'm sure spiritual challenges, Lehi believed he could still receive revelation and do God's work and lead and inspire his family. So I guess I'm just really impressed with what Lehi was able to accomplish all while dwelling in a tent. Um, And I'm not sure if this was Nephi's um, intent, you know, when he included those phrases in his record, but that's the message that I got out of it this time around. And maybe that's because there've been times in my life where I've put things off that I know are good things to do, things that I want to do. But I think, nah, that feels really, really hard now. I'll just do it later when my situation changes, changes and it gets easier which is fine, we certainly don't have to do anything we don't feel like doing, but I found that sometimes that thing that I want to do just keeps getting put on the back burner and I never actually get around to it. When in reality, I actually could make the time and take the effort to get it done now. So this kind of just got me thinking about why it's so easy for me when I'm in a situation that I think is negative or less than ideal to either give up or at least put a hold on things that I know would be good for me to do, things like exercising, reading my scriptures, working on this podcast, spending just a few minutes a day getting rid of clutter in my house, being deliberate with my time and sticking to the schedule I've set for myself. It's really easy to let these things slide when I can find excuses like, oh, I'm just tired. I just don't feel motivated. I don't have time. I don't know how. Um, It doesn't really make a difference whether I do this now or not, right? The excuses can go on and on. And again, I'm all for self-care and being intentional with what we choose to take on. But I know that in my own life, there's a fine line between self-compassion and letting things go at the expense of my own growth and progress sometimes the hard thing um, getting myself out of my comfort zone even when i don't feel like it is actually my best form of self-care so there was an interesting study done years and years ago by martin seligman who is one of the pioneers of positive psychology um, I, i've talked about him before and he and his partner um, were involved in an ex- um, with an experiment um, with a couple of groups of dogs so both groups of dogs Um, they experienced light shocks, which was not pleasant for them. And the first group of dogs, for the first group, um, the shock was completely random. They had no control over it. They couldn't predict it. They couldn't stop it. There was nothing they could do about it. Um, And the second group of dogs were in a position where they could actually predict and avoid the shock. And the behaviors exhibited by these two different groups of animals was actually really interesting. So once they were out of the kennel, the dogs who had been in the random shock group, who didn't feel that they had control over their environment, um, displayed symptoms of depression. They were listless, they were unmotivated, they, were kind of, they just kind of curled up in the corner and didn't really seem interested in even leaving the kennel to run around. And the dogs who were in the predictable shock group um, had learned what researchers called mastery. They felt like that they were able to master their environment and had. they didn't have any symptoms of depression, they just acted normally and went out and ran when they were let out of the kennel. So what they learned from the study is that helplessness is kind of the default state for us mammals, humans and animals alike and that when we are experiencing a negative event or a situation where we feel a lack of control in our lives, especially if it's, it's a long-term situation, when we don't feel like we're fully able to exercise our agency, our natural response is to just kind of give up, to say, never mind, what's the point? Who cares? Why even try? When we default to this feeling of helplessness, we feel a lack of motivation, a loss of interest, we might not really feel like ourselves, and all of this can eventually just lead us into a state of depression. So a funny little example that kind of demonstrates this, a couple of years ago at the end of 2019, my husband and I started a few house projects, mostly upstairs. Our carpet was super old. and needed to replace the paint on our walls and doors and sterile, everything needed to be updated. And so we started the process of just tearing up and replacing flooring and putting on new baseboards and painting. And this all took you know, several months and we were still kind of in the middle of it all when the lockdowns happened with COVID. So we were just in the middle of this anyway, and we thought, what the heck, we've all of a sudden got a lot more time on our hands. Let's just go gung-ho and we'll redo our master bathroom that we've been wanting to, to update. And so we actually ended up remodeling that and another bathroom upstairs as well. And it all sounded like a great idea when we first thought of it, right? It actually was a great idea. I love how everything turned out, but I wasn't prepared for how long it would take and what a mess it would actually be so we started actually tearing the bathroom apart in march and i didn't have it back until september that's what happens when you decide to do all the work yourself and i'm lucky to have a handy husband that knows how to do a lot of that kind of stuff and we both worked our tails off those six months trying to get those projects done and our house back to normal and as you can imagine for six months our house felt like a total construction zone because it was And we had hand tools and power tools and a big saw in the middle of our bathroom floor and paint and paint supplies and wood and tile and a big air compressor, you name it, we probably had it. It honestly looked like a Home Depot had exploded in my bedroom and throughout the rest of the house as well. And this went on for, like I said, months. And I'm a pretty tidy person. So after several weeks of this mess, I was starting to go a little nuts. And it was just pointless to take things down to the garage and put them away because we just have to haul them back up again. And I remember at one point just feeling really helpless about it all, so out of control and feeling like it was just never going to end, like we'd never really finish, that I'd never get my house back. And I seriously started to lose motivation for a while there, like what is the point? It's never going to be clean, it's never going to look good no matter what I do, so why bother even trying? And I kind of went into a little bit of a funk where I just had no motivation to clean or tidy up. I even had a hard time working on the actual projects because it just all felt so out of my control so that went on for a while and luckily i recognized that that kind of attitude wasn't exactly helping me make progress on my goal of getting my house done and back in order and so i remember thinking that i just needed to do what i could even if it was just something tiny even if nobody else noticed the difference i knew that for me i needed to start taking action so some days that looked like just painting a single door or tidying up one smaller corner of my room And some days it looked like really buckling down and just tiling the whole shower or dusting and vacuuming my entire house. Um, But I started to notice that it really wasn't about how big or small the effort I made was. The important thing was that I was making an effort and that even the tiny efforts were getting me closer to done. And you know when you really don't feel like doing something, a lot of times you just have to get started, right? I knew if I just told myself just five minutes, you only have to do this for five minutes, that I would probably feel more motivated to keep working once I got started. So in those months where my house felt like a total chaotic disaster, the key to my sanity was actually just to get out of that helpless feeling and focus on the little areas that I did have control over. So let's think about what we all experienced in the past year and a half with COVID. So much of our lives were disrupted, right? Between school and work being moved to Zoom, plans being disrupted, church and other activities being canceled, not to be able to go out and do the things we were used to doing. There was so much uncertainty and loss of normalcy for all of us. And if you were or even still are feeling like your world was turned upside down and it's hard to get your bearings back, just know that you're not alone. Nothing's wrong with you. You are a human feeling what we humans feel, right? When we feel a loss of control in our lives. But here's the thing. Many of us think that in order to feel in control in our lives, we have to be able to control our circumstances. And the problem with that thinking is there are so many things that are going to be outside of our control. There are some circumstances that we're in right now that just aren't going to change. At least probably they're not gonna be changing for a while, right? most likely we're going to have to adjust to some new normals. There are still mandates, there's still quarantines, there's still variants and vaccines and people with differing opinions than yours. And these things probably aren't gonna go away anytime soon. So how do we deal with feeling stuck um, or frustrated or unmotivated? Well, I think the first thing to acknowledge is where you do have a choice. Focus on the things you are in control of in your life, things like what you eat, um, whether or not you get up and move your body, how much time you spend um, doom scrolling on the internet or social media, right? What time you go to bed? What do you think about? How much gratitude do you feel? Um, You choose whether or not you do the dishes that are in the sink, whether or not you get dressed and ready for the day. You choose what kind of people you associate with. Um, you choose how much news you watch right there are so many things that you can take control of that can make a positive difference in how you feel and how you're showing up in your life here's another little example for as long as i can remember i have been an early riser and my routine was to get up in the morning before anyone else was awake i would go downstairs and make myself some warm lemon water i know totally weird right but it actually made me feel really good got me hydrated got my day off to a good start then I'd say my morning prayers and then the morning routine would would begin and get really busy as I started getting kids up and ready for seminary and school and you know um And getting them where they needed to be. And I'm sure you moms can all relate. Well, when COVID hit and the lockdown started, that was just kind of a weird time. All of a sudden, we found ourselves for several weeks with absolutely nowhere to be in the mornings. School was canceled and the schools were kind of scrambling, right, to figure out how to navigate it all. And So my kids were kind of getting assignments but there was no formal structure to the day and it just all felt really strange, right? So we all just started getting up a little later, me included, and slowly I started getting out of the habit of my little morning routine. And I just started to feel off. And I realized after a couple months of this that the little habit I had of drinking my lemon water and saying my prayers, this little 15 minute routine, had really set the course for the rest of my day. And so I decided to make a conscious effort to just start waking up early again getting my water in and saying my prayers. And it was just amazing how that changed my days, even when nothing else outside of me was changing, right? still the same circumstances. I just felt so much better physically, but mentally and emotionally too. I felt more motivated and in control. And so of course my days were more productive. I was in a better mood. I ate healthier. I took better care of myself. So taking back control of that little 15 minutes of my morning made a huge difference. So that's just a little example, but there are so many other ways, right, in areas of our lives that we can do this. And this is what is called having an internal locus of control. It's deciding that you are going to be the pilot of your life instead of the passenger. It's all about identifying a problem in your life, determining what you need to do to solve that problem, taking that action, and then reflecting on what you've done and giving yourself credit for figuring it out. Be proud of yourself, own that accomplishment, no matter how big or small, acknowledge what you actually do have control over in your life. And doing these things will help you to build that belief that you are in control of yourself, of your life, and of your future. I saw this with my son just a few weeks ago. He came home with a big list of like 50 words and definitions that he needed to memorize word for word for a test that he'd be having um, in a few days. And he just felt really overwhelmed about it. The words weren't really familiar. The definitions were word of kind of funny and he just didn't see how he was ever gonna get this to click and memorize all of them in time. So I kind of sat down with him and taught him a couple of techniques I'd used back in high school for memorizing. And within a few minutes, he'd already memorized three of them. So this gave him a little hope and I can see this sense of relief kind of come over him that maybe this was possible. So he decided that, he made a plan. He decided that he was gonna memorize um, five terms and then practice those for a little while, let them kind of settle in his brain. And then a few hours later, he'd memorize five more. And he repeated that process throughout the weekend. And by Monday morning, he was totally ready for his test. He even memorized the extra credit words and ended up giving, getting over 100%. So I thought that was really cool to see him given an assignment that he truly felt was impossible for him to take control of it, to solve for it, to do what he needed to do to get the results he wanted. And it just reinforced to him i think that he was so much more in control of the situation than he thought he was he just needed to be a little more intentional about it and this is a good lesson for all of us right when we have a goal or a task we want to accomplish sometimes it can be easy to drag our feet or even just give up because we feel like we can't really control the outcome but our belief about our ability to create an outcome is going to affect the actions we take right in the end whether we get that outcome or not so I've kind of talked about this a little bit before in another episode, but I kind of grew up with the idea that things were either supposed to happen um, or that they weren't. That God had a specific plan and will for my life and that I needed to make sure everything I did was exactly in alignment with what He wanted me to do. And that idea kind of gave me a feeling of helplessness. That God was very opinionated about my life and that I didn't have much of a choice. I just needed to figure out what He wanted me to do if I wanted to be successful. And I do believe that God is is involved in our lives in the most loving way. But I've learned that he doesn't want to make every decision for me. He actually wants me to use my agency to make choices in my life. And he is certainly there to help me and encourage me and direct me when I need it. But it's really just been impressed upon me the past few years that God wants me to direct my life. He wants me to have the confidence to make decisions and feel empowered to choose and design my own destiny. And of course, as we all well know, Our plans don't always go exactly how they think they will. Most of the time, they don't, right? But if we're not intentionally choosing, if we're not making plans and taking control of what we can, we're going to have a hard time making much progress if we're just waiting around for life to happen to us, right? We need to stop trying to control what we can't, things like God's timing, other people's agency, and start taking care of what we can control. So sometimes we find ourselves, like Lehi and his family, in transitional periods, periods of uncertainty, of the unknown, periods of just waiting. But just because we're waiting for certain things in our life to happen or change, it doesn't mean the time spent in between where we are now and our destination isn't important. And sometimes I know in my own life when I felt helpless and like I'm just in the waiting phase, it's easy for me to abandon the things that will actually help me get to my destination faster. And I think Lehi is the perfect example of just taking control of what he could in that situation his relationship with God, his unconditional love for his family, even when they doubted or rebelled against him. He didn't wait around thinking, well, when my situation's better, when I feel more settled and my family starts showing me some respect, then I'll seek revelation. Then I'll study my scriptures and teach my children. Then I'll live up to the privileges and promises that God has for me. If we're waiting around to feel motivated by our circumstances, those times are actually going to be very few and far between, right? Dr. Joe Dispenza says that to change is to think greater than you feel. And that's the key, isn't it? So much of the time, we're not going to feel like doing what we need to do or what we told ourselves we would do, but that's the very time that it's most important to do it because most of the time, you're not going to feel like it. But the people who can follow through on the things they've intentionally committed to do are the ones who shift from being the watchers of their lives and just taking what they get into the role of being the creators of their lives and deciding what they want to do and who they want to be on purpose. And this is a huge thing I work on with my clients, helping them to change their mindset, to actually do the things and make the changes they've been trying for years to make, and then help them to be accountable to themselves to make that change stick. So Elder Garrett W. Gong said, during this life, we sometimes wait upon the Lord. In the meantime, we live now, not waiting for life to begin. I think it's so important to remember that when you take the focus off of what you're waiting for, that circumstance you want in the future that you think is going to make your life so much better, when you can shift your focus um, to your present circumstances, you will be surprised at the beautiful blessings God is granting to you right now as you wait. Um, I'm going to leave you with a quote I just love from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland from a talk he gave years ago. It's called Terror, Triumph, and a Wedding Feast. He said, God expects you to have enough faith and determination and enough trust in him to keep moving, keep living, keep rejoicing. In fact, he expects you not simply to face the future. He expects you to embrace and shape the future, to love it and rejoice in it and delight in your opportunities. God is anxiously awaiting for the chance to answer your prayers and fulfill your dreams, just as he always has. But he can't if you don't pray, and he can't if you don't dream. In short, he can't if you don't believe. So my friends, I guess my message to you today is to remember Lehi. Remember that your circumstances don't have to be perfect in order for you to accomplish great things. The people around you don't have to agree with you in order for you to feel peace and connection. And sometimes doing the thing you don't really feel like doing, but that you know is a good thing, might just be the self-care that you need. So think of one area of your life that you can take control of, maybe today, maybe in the next week or in the next month, or for the rest of this year. Identify an area you'd like to change, make a plan, take action on it, And then give yourself credit. Be proud of yourself for taking one step closer to becoming more empowered and intentional in your life. And as always, if you have questions or you'd like help applying the tools you're learning here to any area of your life, your health, your relationships, your productivity, your self-confidence, come hop on a call with me and I will help you. Again, you can find the link to my calendar on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching or you can email me at annette.motherhoodelevated.com, and I will take care of you. All right, everybody, have a good one, and I'll see you back here next week. Bye now.